Well, good morning. <laughs> Thank you for the generous offer to uh, invite me to come here this morning. I was just talking with a few of you before the service that I believe it was about nine years ago that I was up front here in the pulpit. Wow, you have a fancy cup holder up here. I don't know. It even it fits. That's awesome. I think that's new in the nine years since I've been gone. Um, yeah, this was one of the last places that I preached a sermon as a seminarian finishing up at Calvin Seminary, and I actually used the video of that sermon to uh, trick a church into calling me as their pastor. Um, so I spent the first seven years of ministry just south of Grand Rapids at Moline Christian Reformed Church, and then the last two years at a uh, Reformed Church in the Shelby area south of Ludington and Pentwater. Um, just finished up at that church two Sundays ago. Um, through uh, the whirlwind of the life where uh, I married Abby Ebels from Falmouth. We're both from out there originally, as many of you know. Um, in the whirlwind that our life has been in the past two years, it became evident to us that we were called to move back up here near family. Abby's working at the hardware store with her family. Um, I am finishing up renovating our house that we just bought in the suburbs of Vogel Center. Um, and uh, yeah, trying to discern what's next for, for us in our life and our call. But we did, uh, we were clear that God was calling us to be back up here near family. And uh, I'm excited in, in the midst of what there is to uh, grieve in the loss that we've had um, in some of the ways we've had to say goodbye to people that we love. I am um, grateful and honored that I can be back in spaces like this with uh, many of you that I know. So we are um, going to be looking into God's word together in the book of Colossians this morning. Colossians chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 7 through 14 of Colossians 3. And just as a tiny bit of background before we read the passage, Paul is talking to these uh, baby Christians, these new believers um, in this Colossian church about what it is to walk in step with the Lord. And so he's talking in the verses preceding these about some of the ways that they used to act, that they used to walk in the life they once lived. And we're going to pick up the verses where he pivots and says, okay, that used to be you, but now here's what the Lord calls you to. So before we read these words from Colossians chapter 3, would you please join me in prayer? Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, your son and our savior. For the way that he walked, the way that he lived in his years here on earth as he put on flesh and dwelled among us. And for your Holy Spirit giving life to these words now, revealing Christ and revealing how we are to walk in step with him. We thank you for nourishing us at your table before we turn to your word as a powerful reminder, a sign, a seal that we are yours, forgiven and free. Free to walk with you, free to have joy with you and the assurance that this walk isn't just for the here and now, although that's so important, but it's a walk that goes all the way to eternity in joy with you. So we pray a blessing upon your word now. Light it on fire on the page and in our hearts. We pray through the power of the Holy Spirit and in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, is it going to be up on the screen or no? Perfect. I have it here too. (laughs) All right, Colossians 3, starting at verse 7. Hear now the word of the Lord. The Apostle Paul says to the church, You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, a few months ago, six, eight months ago or so, my brothers and my dad, who uh, run DeZoo Prosper Corner Dairy three miles east of Falmouth, um, they decided it was time for a new work truck on the farm, something that they could bomb around with, uh, pick up feed and other things. So it didn't have to be new. It didn't have to be nice. In fact, they wanted something older with higher miles that they um, didn't have to pay quite as much for. Any of you in the used vehicle market right now know it's not the greatest time <laughs> to try to find something. But they looked around uh, locally. They looked around online. And finally, they found a truck that looked pretty decent. It was a I think two and a half hours south, um, downstate a little ways. They looked at all the pictures online. They said, hey, for the price and for what it is, it looks nicer than anything we've seen around here. So we might as well make a trip. We'll probably buy that one. So they drove down, pulled into the parking lot of this uh, used car dealer, only to find that the reason that the truck looked a little bit better than most of the ones around here was because someone decided to rattle a can of white spray paint and go to town. (laughs) So if you take a picture from about 30 feet away, yeah, it's a nice truck. I'm surprised that rust hasn't really set in all that much. If you stand 10 feet away, you realize it's a nice truck from 30 feet away. (laughs) So long story short they got back in their truck said no thanks and drove two and a half hours and at least stopped somewhere nice to eat so it wasn't a totally wasted day i don't have to tell any of you especially when it comes to a car in northern michigan with the snow now setting in as of this morning or with anything else that covering over a problem doesn't mean the problem goes away usually it ends up making it worse And I'm guessing, I'm not the only one who has walked into a public restroom, like a state park, or you stop by a restroom um, on your way down 131, and you walk in there and go, okay, 
somebody decided that this bathroom was horrible, so what they would do is take out two cans of potpourri, and that'll make it all better. And instead, you're mixed with the smell of horrible bathroom and potpourri, and it makes it ten times worse than if they just would have left the cans aside. But what it really needed was a deep clean. It's the only thing that's going to do at that point. And this morning, the Apostle Paul basically writes that to the Colossian church. Don't get out your cans of spray paint. Don't get out the can of potpourri, please, no. If you want to have good, true, lasting Christian community, you can't cover over stuff like that. Just like rust on a truck, stink in a bathroom, you've got to clean it out fully. You've got to fix the problem or it's only going to get worse. You can still try to have fun together without Christian forgiveness. You can still try to have really great worship services that make everybody say, wow, what a great service. That really pumped me up. The music was awesome. But if there's rust under the spray paint, it's not going to get any better by spraying another layer and another layer over the top. At some point, you've got to bust out the tools the grinder, the torch, and weld and grind and everything else you have to do until the foundation is solid again. Now, an entire sermon series could be done, has been done, on the topic of Christian community, or Christian forgiveness in community. But today I want to focus on just one aspect of forgiveness in Christ. And that's the fact that there's literally no way to have Christian community without it. There's literally no way to do what you're all trying to do here, what we're all trying to do as Christians, without the Jesus kind of forgiveness. The Apostle Paul knew that perfectly well. From his own life, he used to persecute Christians, he used to hate Christians, until the Lord turned him around, opened his eyes, and he became one of the leaders and founders of the early Christian community. So he knew forgiveness in Christ firsthand better than almost anyone. And he knew that if a group of Christians were going to try to do life together, that over time some rust and some stink is going to develop. And it didn't help anything that in the Colossian church 2,000 years ago, there were people from all different walks of life. And you may know that is bound to create moments of misunderstanding, moments of hurt. Notice right before Paul talks about the need to forgive as the Lord forgave you, he says this in verse 11. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. But Christ is all and is in all. The reason he said that is because there were people from all those different backgrounds in the same church there. And with that many different people from that many different walks of life, it was bound to cause confusion, misunderstanding, and hurt. As I thought about this passage and all the people from those different walks of life coming together to do church, to do Christian community, I couldn't help but think of a trip that I took to Israel when I was in seminary. 
we stayed with host families from Bethlehem while we were there, and we had to be trained before we went over there in how not to offend them. It was the first time I discovered, coming from a northern Michigan Dutch family, that there are some cultures where it's offensive to finish your plate of food too quickly or to finish it completely. Over there, you're supposed to leave a bite or two left on your plate. My grandma would scold me for that. But if you clean up your plate of food, which in most Dutch communities means like, oh, they loved it, to them it means, oh, I didn't give you enough. You're still hungry because you ate all the food on your plate. You're supposed to leave a bite or two as a way of saying to them, this was amazing and you've given me more than enough. In some cultures, it would be rude if you leave your dirty dishes on the table when you're a guest in someone's home and you just walk away from them. In others, the primary homemaker of the home would be offended if you tried to touch the dirty plate and bring them to the sink or, heaven forbid, rinse them. Because to them, it's a sign of saying, oh, I'm, I don't do my job well enough. I can't maintain my own home. Other people, you don't do it, and they're offended that you're a slob and they have to do it for you. And all we've covered so far is table manners in different cultures. Think about all the different ways that we can offend and hurt each other without even noticing. Because we've just been raised differently, we've, lear we've learned to understand the world differently. Now, some of you I know know my brother-in-law, Ezekiel Pena. He worked uh, at the public school in IT for quite a while until recently. And he and I and our family, we like to joke all the time about the different things between the Dominican Republic culture where he grew up and the culture here. How down there, it's no problem for somebody to walk up to you and say, hey, how old are you? And how much do you weigh? Which, yeah, try doing that around here. <laughs> and see if you don't have a black eye or two. But also in a culture like his, the question that most of us go to when we first meet someone isn't a question you're supposed to ask, which is, what do you do when you meet somebody you've never really met before? You tell them your name, and then, what do you do? Which is, what do you do for a living? What do you do for work? I'm in construction. I'm in plumbing. I'm a pastor. Whatever. There, you can say, hey, nice to meet you. How old are you? How much do you weigh? But you're not supposed to ask what you do for a living. Just a common introductory conversation, hurt, confusion, misunderstanding can happen every single day. And that's, I mean, if, if people grew up three miles down the road from each other, went to the same church like Abby and I did, and you become a married couple and you've been married for longer than, what, a month? Most of you know you can still have misunderstanding and hurt each other. And in all these examples, you can see how it might work for a little while to cover over it. Just go, ooh, I'm a little offended that they asked me that. I'm a little offended that they spoke to me this way, that they acted this way, that they ate their whole plate of food or didn't eat their whole plate of food. They took the dirty dish to the sink. They didn't. You can cover over that for a while. You don't need to have an intervention conversation right away. A little spray paint. It's fine. But we all know it's not a permanent fix over time. And all of that stuff builds up. 
until you find the straw that breaks the camel's back, so to speak. So I can imagine that Paul is thinking about all these different people joined together by Christ. And Jesus Christ is just about the only thing these people do have in common. And that the next thought the Spirit leads him to is, oh boy, (laughs) this ragtag bunch of believers is going to need the powerful Jesus-level kind of forgiveness if they're ever going to stay together, stay committed to each other in Christ. And I also wonder if it was intentional that Paul talked about forgive as the Lord forgave you. Right after he says that in verse, this in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Because as I looked at and prayed over this passage, it struck me that an act of forgiveness, one single true act of forgiveness, is the clearest way of acting out that whole other list of virtues. Now he talks about having patience. What better way to actually show that and do that by, than by forgiving? That one or two offenses isn't going to instantly turn, you, turn someone into your enemy. That you can have patience with them. Forgiveness is the act of kindness and compassion. That just because you could hold someone's past mistakes over their head, you could rub it in or have leverage over them, you don't want to. Because you still know that person is a child of God, just like you, who deserves as much love as you do. And most of all, forgiveness shows humility. This is what forgiveness says. Who am I that I should try to hold this power over you? That kind of power belongs only to God. And God, as we've come to the table, as we've seen this morning, as we've tangibly tasted this morning... God's the only one that could hold everything over our heads if he wanted to. Because he is perfect and we're not. And he chose not to. He chose love. He chose forgiveness. So who are we to not do the same? But there's another way that forgiveness shows humility that doesn't get talked about as much. Forgiveness shows that you might just realize in the moment that you might have a little bit more to do or you might be more to blame for a difficult situation than you even realize. It acknowledges that you might not be the perfectly righteous person who was so wrongfully offended by someone else. But maybe, just maybe, some of the brokenness in that relationship has to do with your own brokenness too. I say this thinking back to early on in my married life, times when maybe I'd come home from work and I could tell that Abby was a little miffed at me about something, and I didn't know what because I've never done anything wrong in my life, so why would anyone have reason? And maybe we'd have a conversation about it, or I could tell she was frustrated and we didn't talk about it that night. And in some of those moments, not all of them, but some of them, I would think to myself, well, I mean, I'm a pastor. 
I should forgive as Christ forgave me. I'll forgive Abby for this offense. Only a few years later to look back on those moments and go, oh shoot, I was to blame. She actually did have reason to be miffed at me because it was my fault. (laughs) I just didn't realize it at the time. I had forgotten something important or I was acting in a way I shouldn't have, but I just hadn't learned enough, hadn't lived enough life yet to look back on it and go, oh yeah, I'm glad I forgave her because it actually wasn't her fault. So in the moments when I made the right choice and chose forgiveness right away, how much better than trying to hold something over her head only later to realize it should have been the other way around. It shows the humility of saying, I know that there's a problem here. I know that some rust has developed, and even if I can't see it right now in the moment, I'm probably more at fault than I realize because I'm human too, and I need the grace of Christ too that I'm now going to extend your way. So to end this message this morning, I wanted to find one powerful, real-life example of a story of forgiveness. So I searched around for a while, and as I was searching for that powerful story, I found dozens of them. I read about a woman who was pushed into a pool by a friend of hers, and she broke her neck. And it paralyzed her. She forgave her friend. I read about a pastor whose pregnant wife was killed by a driver who fell asleep at the wheel. That pastor forgave the man and started meeting with him weekly and developed a long-lasting relationship. There was a woman hit by a shopping cart by a bunch of kids, teenage boys, just throwing carts around in a grocery store parking lot, being teenagers. She got hit and was badly injured. She forgave those teenage boys. Then from there, it goes on to stories that I don't even want to talk about. Horrific crimes, murder, hate crimes. A story of Corey Ten Boom, who some of you probably recognize as a Dutch woman whose family helped hide Jews in the Netherlands during World War II. Her family was eventually found out, and they were imprisoned in a Nazi concentration camp. Years later, Corey became a famous author and speaker, and she tells of a time that she finished speaking at a church and was confronted by someone who was out in the pew afterwards, who revealed himself as one of the former Nazi prison guards in the camp where her family was. And he asked for forgiveness. See, as I looked at these, all of these stories, I realized there was a lot of differences about them, a lot of different situations. Some of these people were hurt by their friends. Some by people they'd never met. Some were an accident. Some were on purpose. Some of the wrongdoers were so sorry and remorseful about what they had done. Some never confessed to wrongdoing or thought they were in the wrong at all. Some who were hurt were able to forgive. God gave them the power to forgive almost instantly. 
For some of them, it took years, decades, before they could truly forgive. A lot of differences. But I did find one thing in common with them all. One theme that tied them all together. Every single person was glad they chose forgiveness. After the forgiveness came, there wasn't a single one of them who went, I forgave out of my heart with the love of Jesus Christ, and oh, worst, worst mistake of my life. I wish I could go back to resenting them, to holding it over their head, to being bitter about it every single day, but I guess I already forgave, so can't turn back time. Every single one of them, after they finally found it in their heart that maybe the Holy Spirit gave them the power in their heart to say, truly, I forgive you. It was an unbelievable burden, weight off their shoulders, that was released from them saying, oh, so that's what walking in step with Christ feels like. This is what it can feel like to truly forgive as he forgave us. You know, there are some, as I thought about what to preach about this morning, I was reminded of something that a few different pastors have told me over the years. I haven't had the opportunity to do a lot of pulpit supply because I've been the pastor of a couple different churches for nearly a decade now. But the pastors I know who were able to do more pulpit supply said, you know, sometimes it's kind of nice, kind of refreshing to stand up in front of another church so that when you preach a message, people aren't sitting there trying to figure out why you're saying it. What are you trying to do, pastor? You're trying to convince me of something. (laughs) Or, okay, I know, I offended the pastor last week, and now, oh, look, a sermon on forgiveness. (laughs) So it's kind of nice and refreshing to be able to stand up here this morning and have all of you go, I don't think he's specifically talking about something between him and I. And I'm not, as far, at least as far as I know. <laughs> but I know, having been a pastor for 10 years, having been a human being for a few decades now, that we all need to hear this this morning. I need to hear this. I don't know specifically what's going on in all of your lives, in your church community, in your family relationships. And I know we need this. I know there's rust. If you're a human being and you're not Jesus who came back again, there's rust somewhere. Somewhere there's the smell of potpourri when you know you should have just broke out the bleach and went to work, started cleaning. And I know, you know, that it's worth it. It's worth it to do the hard work of walking in step with Christ and truly forgiving. But I don't want you to just take my word for it. I wouldn't if I were you. So I wanted to end this time with a few words of a quote from Corey Ten Boom talking about that story I mentioned earlier with the Nazi prison guard extending a hand to her after her, after her talk at a church asking for forgiveness. This is what Corey said. I stood there with coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is an act of will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. 
You supply the feeling. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, and sprang into our joined hands. And a healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing me to tears. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Thanks be to God, and amen. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, forgiveness is hard, <laughs> but I don't have to tell you. We thank you that you so loved us, you were so willing to forgive us, that you sent your one and only Son. That by simple belief, simple faith in him and not in ourselves, we have the privilege of walking in step with your spirit. We have the privilege of knowing there is a room prepared for us eternally. So Lord, as a way of saying thank you, we pray that you would instill in us the power by your spirit to have the same brand of forgiveness as Jesus. Lord, I am confident that each and every one of us has at least one relationship, one situation going on in our life with our spouse, another family member, a church member, the church community as a whole, where we know there's more rust there than can be covered over with a can spray paint. And only you are the one who can make all things new. So help us, just like Corey Ten Boom, help us to have that act of will and have you supply the grace of feeling your love for us and for those we need to forgive. And if we know we need to be the ones forgiven, help us to have the courage to admit it, the courage to reach out, and just as we've asked forgiveness from you, to ask forgiveness from others that we've wronged. We know it's the only way for community and for love in Christ to last. And we know we can't do it on our own. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.